Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and More. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Tapork, and we have a great episode for you today, recapping all of the madness from the trade deadline. Before we get underway, just a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter, at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so we'd love you to give us a follow as well. You can find us this year on iTunes, so please check us out there. Uh, Subscribe, download, leave us some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on... Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. Zach Harper, formerly of CBS Sports, is writing for us through the end of the year. Got a lot of great stuff about the trade deadline and the fallout from that, so check out FanRag for all that great content. Joining me today, as always, are Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea to help me sort through the madness. How's it going, you two? It's going well, Brian. Going all right, so long as my MacBook hangs in there. <laughs> yeah, brave, well, we brave all, little soldier. <laughs> we all need to pray for Sarah's <laughs> computer. It's uh, it's apparently on its last legs here. So, Sarah, I'm gonna start off with you because uh, <laughs> you are a responsible person and couldn't have an emergency podcast at like 10:30 on a Monday morning. Uh, so you were unable to join us for our emergency Demarcus Cousins reaction. Uh, so I want to just before we go into the actual trade deadline, just get some quick thoughts from you on the boogie trade, the return, how you see them working. You know, we, we've seen them together for one game now. Uh, how you see that partnership moving forward, etc. Yeah, first of all, I love that you guys, you know, put it out there that I'm responsible. I heard that, <laughs> I heard that on the first one y'all did without me. 
Um, and I was like, should I tell them that the other day I had up this picture of these new like NECA quarter scale Ninja Turtles? And I was like, should I pay my health insurance or should I get these turtles? So, yes, very responsible. But uh, the boogie trade, I mean, obviously, I think it's going to work out fine for the Pelicans eventually. Uh, they need to make more moves and get some shooting. Everybody knows that. But those guys are going to be fine. Uh Demarcus said after the first game that they were kind of, you know, deferring to one another a little bit rather than just playing their game, and that's going to happen till they get comfortable. But they'll be perfectly fine. Um, as for the Kings, I think what we're seeing is what happens when an organization doesn't have like a clear strategy and that nobody's on the same page. Um, you know, say what you want about Vladi, and he, he has his own foibles, but I think what what becomes more obvious is that as long as Vivek is there and has the power that he has, it doesn't really matter who else you bring in, because he's got his own ideas, and they're pretty much going to have to follow him. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's sad. It, it kind of brought me back to the conversation that we had a while back about why Boogie would want to opt in and and go for the extension. <laughs> right. And, and I was joking about how, well, as long as he's there, there's kind of the added bonus of, you know, his outburst will always be partially blamed on the Kings. <laughs> right. Um, which I didn't think was his motivation, but I thought it would be an interesting byproduct. But um, then the Kings kind of flipped everything around and tried to ship him off and blame all their problems on him. So that was amazing. But, yeah. I mean, I think everyone knows that there was always – they were always kind of contributing to each other's problems, and the Kings are far from blameless here. Yeah. And so it's it's just going to become more obvious now that he's gone, so I don't think they thought that one through. Yeah, we uh, we recorded, but I think, more correct me if I'm wrong, but we recorded before Vladdy's press conference on Monday where he you know <laughs> had that meltdown and was like, well, <laughs> I had a better offer two days ago, but I had to just take this one now. Uh I mean, Sarah, I think you're you're spot on, uh, especially with like the, the Kings trying to blame Demarcus for all their problems is just complete and utter crap. Because clearly, you know, the the way they handled this, like there were so many reports that came out in the weeks and months leading up to that trade that said, you know, they're not going to trade him; they're going to sign him to this mm-hmm. massive deal. And then for them to just like outright lie, like. He, you know, he gave an interview with the Undisputed's Mark J. Spears where he's saying, like, a week before the trade, they came to his house and said, we are not going to trade you. Heading into yeah. the All-Star break, Vivek went to him and was like, trying to, like, consult him on a player move to see, like, hey, you know, how do you want, like, what, do you think this guy would fit with us? And then three days later, they trade him. So, you know, they, they issued that press release that said, like, winning begins with character and culture matters. It's like, all right, yeah. It begins with you having character. <laughs> like, you, and culture, yeah. You guys right. don't have one, except one like, of, you know, dysfunction. That's Yeah, it. like lying to your star player and telling him he's not going to get traded and then actually going and trading him while he's playing in the All-Star game. That's just, yeah. I, it, all right, winning begins with character. Sure, okay. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck, Kings. Like now, after reading that interview with Mark J. Spears, I hope no, like, superstar caliber free agent ever signs with the Kings again because they do not deserve it as long as Vivek and Vlade are still in charge. It sucks. I feel really bad for Kings fans, but like if you're, if you're a superstar, why do you want to go to that organization now? 
absurd. No, you don't. Unless I mean, and you're not a superstar if you're Derek Rose, but Derek Rose might you know go there if if the money is right. Right. Although, could you just imagine like him in restricted free, or in in free agency this summer? Like reports are coming out with Vlade and and Derek flirting a little bit, whatever, and then some somehow somewhere. Derek ends up with a different team. Vladi's interviewing like, yeah, I gave him better offer two days ago. <laughs> yeah. Now he don't take. Don't right. understand why. It right. doesn't make sense. One one day I offered him $100 million. Last night I offered him 60 and he said, what are you doing, man? Uh, I will not take a lesser offer. I do not understand this CPA thing. It's not my thing. Yeah. This this is basically where we're at. I mean, just the level of incompetency is, you know, let's just say it, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of enjoying it. Not for Kings fans. I I feel so bad for those, but for the organization, like they painted themselves into a corner. So right now, just laugh your asses off, guys, because they burned it. Yeah, a hundred percent. You're so right. I mean, even before before they traded. Boogie, I really thought they were gonna trade for Derrick Rose, and I like Rudy Gay plus Darren Collison for mm. Derrick was cap legal. So I thought by far that was like almost <laughs> a lock to happen. But then they, you know, changed course, and the fact then that they didn't trade anyone else at the trade deadline, like they had, you know, oh, Ben McElroy is gonna be a restricted free agent this summer. Derrick Collison's a free agent this summer. Ty Lawson's a free agent this summer. The fact they traded none of those guys is insane. Like, if you want to rebuild, <laughs> yeah. go in and rebuild. Because right now you have about seven shooting guards on the roster. And you, the prize <laughs> piece, the guy who shoots like Steph Curry, Buddy Heald, uh, he's a shooting guard. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. All right. All right. We, we, can't, we can't talk about the Kings dysfunction anymore. It just makes me so mad. But I'm, again, so sorry for Kings fans. If you need a franchise to join, uh, Sarah Spurs are... Very, very quiet and understated. They win 50 games every year. So become a sports fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we moving on to the actual trade deadline. You know, we we talk about the Sixers and the Bulls a lot on this podcast, given uh, Morton and I, we have this, you know, certain rooting interests. And we're going to have to talk about them today. Uh, apologies in advance, but they made arguably the two dumbest, most controversial, et cetera, et cetera, moves at the deadline. Uh, the Sixers on Wednesday sent out Ersan Ilyasova and what will amount to the Warriors' second-round pick to Atlanta for Tiago Splitter, who's probably not going to play. Uh, Miami's second-rounder, which is protected 31-40, to 40, and Atlanta's second-rounder. So basically, they got a second-round pick and a second-round pick swap uh, for Ersan. Then on Thursday, uh, Thursday morning, it was all quiet. You know, no Woj bombs were dropping. And then I think around 11 a.m., uh, Woj reports they are in advanced talks to sending Nerlens Noel to Dallas. And then three minutes later, he reports the exact terms. So <laughs> advanced talks quickly <laughs> accelerated to finished. Uh, so they sent Nerlens to Dallas for Justin Anderson. Andrew Bogut, who they, I don't think they've actually waived him yet, but they're going to, and a top 18 protected first round pick, which will otherwise become 2017 and 2020 second rounders if it does not convey this year, which it will not. You have to just analyze this as two second rounders. So before I give my take, Mort, I want to hear your side, uh, because you were live streaming 
while this all this madness went down. So what what do you think of uh, both the decision to trade Nerlens and the return? Well, uh, yeah, I, I was actually doing a four-hour live stream uh, in a studio here in Denmark. Uh, man, I had a headache afterwards because talking for four hours, that takes a lot of out of you. So when I, the trade came up, I kind of liked it initially because the 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 first round draft pick hadn't been specified. Right. It just said like a first round draft pick, and I kind of assumed there would be some level of protection on it. But I thought it would be like maybe top three or something, <laughs> yeah. top five maybe. Then it came out later on, and it was top eighteen protected. I was like, okay, now it's now it's not good. Right. Now it's like a a middle of the pack trade. They could have gotten better. And then later on, it came out <laughs> right. that if it's not conveyed by this year, it becomes two second rounders. And then I went to, from from an okay trade to being all right. That's not right, bad. Yeah. Like I love Justin Anders, and I think he'll do so well in Philly. But it's Nerlens Noel after all. Like he is going to be a perennial defensive of the year candidate. You should have gotten a lot better because that pig is not going to be conveyed. Like Dallas right now, if you look at. Tankathon, yeah, right. They're they're fifth. Yeah, they're not going to drop outside the 18th. No. So you're gonna you you traded Nerlens Noel for Justin Anderson and two second rounders. Yeah, and that is just that is appalling value. Yes, that is indisputable. Uh, but let's let's flip it around. Dallas did well. Yeah, right. Dallas, <laughs> Dallas. Kudos to Dallas for just ripping off Brian Colangelo to an extreme degree. Um, Sarah, I, I want to hear how, before, again, before I give my response, uh, I want to hear how you think Nerlens is going to fit in Dallas. And do you think they should sign him long-term as a, as a piece to build around with Harrison Barnes? Absolutely. I mean, I'm kind of mad, especially you, you guys in your Eastern Conference GMs just keep making the West better and <laughs> really, yeah. really not appreciating that, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, obviously he's they picked him up for almost nothing, and now, yeah, they got a solid piece for the future. I mean, uh, the compa- comparison has been made many times over already, but um, that he he could be like a Tyson Chandler piece, uh, rolling to the rim and obviously protecting the rim on the other end. So, yeah, they're pretty set, and I I don't like that as someone who has not been a Mavericks fan. In fact, pretty much despised them for most of my NBA fandom. But it's funny because when when the trade first went through, Brian, I, like I went to your Twitter to see how you were responding, and at first you were taking it really well. Yeah. I was like, oh man, okay. Right. And then you know some of the details came out about the protections, and you were like, okay, not not great. Yep. And and then you kind of you know talked yourself back around a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm waiting with bated breath to see what you have to say here. <laughs> Yeah, that steady trickle, as Morton described, of like, it's a protected first-round pick. It's a top 18 protected first-round pick. It then immediately becomes two second-round picks. That was just like <laughs> gut punch after gut punch after gut punch. Mm-hmm. So that one hurt. Um, so, yeah, if you look at my Twitter feed, it, like, descends progressively into madness <laughs> throughout Thursday. <laughs> but then then I talked, uh, you know, so Steve Kyler of Basketball Insiders has been reporting for months now that Nerlens wanted out. He was likely to be traded by the deadline. He was the only one kind of with that steady stream, whereas, like, the Okafor trade rumors were the big ones leading right. up to the deadline. So it was, like, 
in retrospect, I guess we should have seen this coming. But he said something, he, he sent off some tweet about how, like, a lot of front offices are going to get overhauled this summer. So naturally some, you know, process person tweeted him was like, Brian Colangelo too, right? And he's like, no, Brian Colangelo's been there for a year. He's doing fine with the hand mm-hmm. he was dealt. So then that naturally led the process people like a swarm of locusts to his account. Um, and I like reached out to him and was like, Hey, you know, did, did Nerlens' agent ever like threaten Colangelo and say, he's going to sign the qualifying offer if they don't trade him. Like he's not going to resign in restricted free agency. And Kyler was like, no, it never got that far. He made clear they wanted out and the organization respected that and was like, we're going to trade you. So like, that was the thing Initially, I was mad because, you know, the, the theory is like, all right, if you're, you know, if you're going to trade him for Justin Anderson and two second round picks, why not just re-sign him, trade him for late, you know, trade him a year or two down the line once you see Embiid can be healthy. That, you know, I, I wanted to re-sign him for Embiid insurance, but if the organization is like respecting his wishes, I don't hate it as much. Like, I, I agree it's garbage value for a player you know, who is really, as Mort said, has defensive, like, all-defensive team, if not defensive player of the year upside. Um, and I think he's going to crush it in Dallas. Like, I, I'm so excited to see him there because he's going to, you know, he's going to a team that is devoid of centers. He's going to mesh really well with both Dirk and Harrison Barnes as a small ball four. Um, so I'm excited for Nerlens. But, yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's a matter of, you know, if you're just looking at the on-court fit, obviously Okafor is a much worse fit. Nerlens is a much better fit. If you're concerned about paying him $90 million to be a backup, I get that as well. But that's still, like, a little flimsy. You probably could have traded him later. But if it was, like, his agents came and said, look, he wants out. And the Sixers are like, all right, we respect that. We're not going to hold you hostage. We're not going to do what, you know, remember like New Orleans with Eric Gordon a couple years back where he said like, my heart is in Phoenix. And then New Orleans is like, well, you're a restricted free agent. So screw you. You're staying here. And that marriage like never really worked out, mostly due to Eric Gordon's injuries. Like I respect the Sixers for, you know, honoring New Orleans' wishes and being like, yeah, we get it. You want to be a starter. You want to make more money down the road. Like, if you stay in Philly four years as a backup, you're not going to get a huge third contract. Um, so, yeah, I've come around on it. The one thing I will say, if, like, you knew this was coming. I mean, even since the preseason, Nerlens has been saying, you know, it's complete shit that we've had three setters on the roster. Like, we should have done something in the summer which all but implies his agents came to Colangelo once he was hired and said, like, trade me, I'm going to leave otherwise. So that makes me think that the Colangelo, he, he didn't screw up by trading New Orleans, he screwed up by not trading him earlier. And he, you know, mm-hmm. he blamed, at the press conference yesterday, he's like, well, you know, we hadn't seen Embiid play a game yet, uh, Okafor was coming off a knee surgery, New Orleans was, like, penciled in as our starting center, which... It, <sighs> That's just so flimsy because you still have Rashawn Holmes on the roster. Like, you also, you're not, like, you gave Nerlens and Embiid eight minutes together. You never gave them a chance to see if they were actually had, you know, they they looked like in those eight minutes they played well together. But we never saw whether that partnership could thrive. So there was never a consideration to keep Nerlens around long term. 
So, like, to say he was penciled in as our starting center, so what? Go trade him for a center and a pick. Like, there are ways to get another center without relying on Nerlens. So that that's the thing that gets me mad. Also, the fact that they're framing it, if you looked at their press release, it was Sixers trade Nerlens Noel for a first-round pick, Justin Anderson, and <laughs> Andrew Bogut, which is garbage. Like, it is a it is two second-round picks. Do not frame it as a first-round pick. Justin Anderson is the big haul from this trade. And I agree, Mort, he might do well in Philly. Like, it's the question is if he can develop that jump shot, but he's a good defensive yeah. player. Uh, we, you know, there wasn't much depth on the wing behind Robert Covington, like Timothy Luau and uh, Gerald Henderson's been seeing some minutes at the three. So I think Justin Anderson will be, he fills a need for the next couple of years. He's team controlled through 2018, 2019. So <laughs> I do, you know, like he, he's, a, he could be a player. Like he's had a rough year this year, but he showed flashes as a rookie framing it as the first round pick is the big haul is garbage, but you know, that, so those are the two things that get me angry about this trade. But the overall rationale, I understand it. I don't love it, but I understand it. Are you guys surprised that I'm not slamming Colangelo harder here? No, because you did a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, yeah, no, I get it. Uh, the framing is awful. And and the fact that it came out like you mentioned in in slow punches was also very unnecessary. Yeah. It just took Philly fans through a whirlwind of emotions. Mm-hmm. It, it just it, it seems to me it's a, it's a it's a bad way to end the relationship with Noel because he seems somewhat universally loved in Philly. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't seen any members of the Philly fan base really be against him all that much. Yeah. But maybe I've just been lucky in that sense. No, I haven't seen any yeah. backlash to to Noel. So yeah, yeah. But at least, hey man, at least you kept your little local for right. Hey man, we're <laughs> don't don't uh, count your chickens before they hatch because I'm pretty sure he's still going to end up in Chicago this summer. <laughs> once yeah. once they trade yeah. Jimmy Butler away. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, for him probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. So let's let's go to your Bulls, Mort, because they also made uh, what one could describe as a head scratching trade. They sent Taj Gibson, Doug McDermott, and a 2018 second round pick to OKC for Cameron Payne, Joffrey Laverne, and Anthony Morrow. And so immediately when I saw that trade, I, I tweeted Sarah and I was like, aren't you so mad we don't speak Danish so we could watch Morton melt down in real time? And then you sent me a link to your live stream later. And I'm very disappointed because you did not melt down. You, you kind of just had like your eyes glazed <laughs> over and you just had like a dead inside look. But it wasn't like yeah. the hot seething rage that I anticipated. So please, my friend, rage away. <laughs> Well, I honestly, I'm I'm not really that upset anymore. I'm I'm becoming numb. Like I said this a couple of, of of months ago, and it's just turning more and more true. The more stupid things they do, um, so so I'm actually going to look at it from OKC's perspective instead. Okay, because, you know, I I've, I don't even want to give the Bulls the satisfaction of talking about them. <laughs> Taj Gibson is a pro's pro. I think Westbrook is absolutely going to love him. Mm-hmm. I, I think he has the same workhorse mentality that uh, Westbrook has. I think he'll instantly connect with him. I, I think 
Doug McDermott is going to add so much to to that specific roster, especially because he's locked on his rookie deal for another year after this. Mm-hmm. So he's going to give Russ some some space. He can play the small ball four on occasion. He needs to get better as a screener. He needs to get better as a defender. But when Doug is on, he has a little bit of Paul Pierce to his game, like in not Paul Pierce esque way, but like he he can do some things. He can do, go to the mid post and and pull up or go to the fade and he, ha- he even has a little bit of a post game like there's a little bit of that that creation level to him that he doesn't really show a whole lot but when he does then he's really really good and i i have a feeling that he would develop that bet a little bit better elsewhere than chicago so coming to a team like okc who has done a pretty good job of developing developing players over the years i mean let's be fair russell kd ibaka uh, harden even I mean Reggie Jackson, mm-hmm. like Jeff Green. All right, he's hey. <laughs> very no Jeff no, Green like, there. Yeah, but okay, but he was he was a contributor for a while. Yeah. Then he went to Boston and, and things got mucked up. But I, I have a feeling he's going to realize his potential a little bit better. And Taj, I don't know if he's going to resign with Thunder. Depends on how how long they're going to go in the playoffs. I think, but I just mm-hmm. I love the defensive nature of having a guy who can switch on to smaller players who is just tough as nails inside. He's not a, the type of guy who's going to grab 12 boards and, and swat four shots, but he's going to be a guy who will just make the right play. If he if he sees that Russ has a better angle on the rebound, he'll box his opponent out instead and let Russ, Russ grab it. I mean, he's just he's not a stat whore by any <laughs> right. like any measuring stick at all. Like right. Taj doesn't care about numbers, and I think that's exactly what they need in OKC, just a guy who's tremendously unselfish. So I, I'm really giving OKC for that particular trade, like an A+. Plus. I yep. love it for him. Yep. Absolutely love it for him because they gave up virtually nothing. Right. The thing and I even got a second rounder yeah. in, in a deal. Yeah, That's what I don't understand. Like, it feels like OKC should have been the one giving up a second rounder in this deal. Like, I don't yeah. see why, why Chicago gave up a pick as well as, you know, because Taj and Doug right now are the two best players in that trade. Like the idea is that Cameron Payne maybe thrives outside of OKC because he was never going to blossom behind Westbrook. Uh, (laughs) But just, my God, like why did they give up a pick with those two players? It's, it's insanity. No, I, I mean, that's, that's why it's, that's why it's a great trade for the Thunder. I mean, look, they had Cameron Payne who shot, who's shooting 30, 33% from the field this year. I think he has a PER of six or something <laughs> along those lines. So I mean, they they saw a guy like OKC did. They 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 had a young guy. I think he's twenty two, and they leveraged the hell out of him. Like mm-hmm. I mean, they argued for the Bulls that this is a young point guard. Yep. So why don't you get involved? And like, congratulations, Thunder. They swindled them completely, and that's that's a job well done. That's yeah. that's what they're supposed to be doing. The the way the best way I saw this framed it was from Kelly Scaletta who is an assistant editor at FanRag and he was he put it in the terms of I forget exactly what the Bulls gave up to get Doug McDermott I know it was two first round picks I think there was a second round pick involved as well but no they in total they gave up five draft picks yeah so he was like they gave up five draft picks plus a second rounder plus Taj Gibson for Cameron Payne 
Which, oh yeah, that makes it six picks in total. They gave up five <laughs> right. picks to acquire him initially, and right. now they right. gave up a another second round. So basically, the whole Doug McDermott affair cost them six draft picks. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Chicago Bulls. So Sarah, do you do you have any hope that Cameron Payne? I mean, it's a very low bar to be the best point guard in Chicago right now. But do you think he has a chance of blossoming into a player <laughs> worthy of six draft picks? I love how you laugh as you're asking that. <laughs> um, I mean, he could end up being a player. It's it's hard to say. I mean, six draft picks sounds ridiculous, but you know, I just I don't understand what they're trying to do. Obviously, they they need a point guard for the future. I don't know that they're sold on Cam being it, but I just I don't really understand the move. It's they got younger somewhat, but not better really I, I don't know I, I have no idea what they're trying to do honestly I think you join the front office because it doesn't seem like they have any idea what they want to do uh, given the leaks that came out you know especially from Joe Cowley of the uh, Chicago Sun Times and even Kevin O'Connor of the ringer uh, had some stuff just about how it sounds like there are warring factions within the front office now like Foreman uh, wants to, he wants to stand pat, and it sounds like John Paxson realizes, like, okay, we might need to actually rebuild now and trade Jimmy Butler, whatever. Uh, but it sounds like Gar is it just in like pure job preservation mode, so it's like we're just gonna stay mediocre forever and like maybe make the playoffs, <laughs> and then I'm gonna keep my job because if we tank, then I'm out. So. It'll be. It's oh, gonna be I fun. I didn't want to talk about the Bulls, but I'm gonna because you you left out something that's even stupider. Oh, okay. Um, Go. Apparently, when the Bulls discussed Jimmy with Boston, mm-hmm. they they made it clear that they wanted oh, right, veterans. Right. <laughs> right yeah. They wanted established players. Yeah. And supposedly, both Brooklyn picks were. <laughs> In the conversation, and the Bulls were like, "No, we want Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley because we don't want to rebuild." And yeah, it, it's it's um, look, it's so stupid that I don't even have the words for it. I yeah. can't comprehend the level of 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 insight that they have into team building. It's it's remarkable, really. And and I the the backlash again. From national media, from local media, from fans, from everyone, everyone is is understanding of the fact that the Bulls are messing this thing up, mm-hmm. except for the Bulls, <laughs> except for the actual Bulls themselves. But they don't care because they have job security, yeah. and this is the part of the game that becomes horrible. Because look, in the NBA, loyalty is vi- valued, like highly, highly valued, and that's great. Loyalty is important, is essential, it's crucial, but not when you're incompetent. <laughs> you need to be able to cut your losses. Right now, the Bulls have an owner who's looking at the bottom line. That's fine, but that's short-sighted. Here's my opinion on it. Because if you have an owner who's saying, you know what, I just, I just want to earn a whole lot of money. And if that means we're, being, we're the eighth seed every year, that's fine. I'll live with it. Well, you know what? If you're looking for to, to earn more money, then you build a competitive team because people would be more inclined to throw money at a competitive team. They are, I mean, right now, the the United Center, they might sell out in terms of ticket, but no one's showing up. Like, you have a lot of people who don't, who don't show up. 
TV ratings are declining rapidly. Like people are generally losing interest in the Bulls now. Yeah. And if they had been a team that had just told told the fan base straight off the bat, you know, we're going to rebuild. We're going to try to create the best product for you. Then teams would actually or, or sorry, fans would have gone to the games because they would have known what's up. They would have recognized, "All right, you know what? You're right. We need to blow this up. It's not working." So we'll support you by actually going to the game and we'll enjoy looking at our our Markel Fultz or whatever rookies we're going to have instead. We're going to support those guys. But no. Instead, the focus is so driven financially that it's appalling. It is downright unattractive because it's the whole underlying theme of every move that they make. Dwayne Wade, like, come on, let's be honest. He wasn't there to improve them. Right. He's there to sell goddamn tickets. That's what he is. He's an old star who's going to just sell tickets and not be a part of the evolution of the younger bulls or whatever is going to happen in the future because he's going to be gone anyway, probably this summer. If not this, then next. He's going to retire anyway. And before that, 34-year-old Paul Gasol. <laughs> Back in 2006, 32-year-old Ben Wallace who had shown signs of declining in Detroit in years past. This is becoming an old game. And they lucked into Derrick Rose and made it seem like, oh, they did a great job. No, you didn't. You lucked into a guy because you played lousy basketball for one year and you had no directions direction whatsoever. Then you lucked into the first pick and then you, th- you thought you had it, all, had it all under control. They are so bad at their job that I'm actually going to say that a f- local fan could do better. I, yeah, that's I, that's where we're at right now, and I know there are going to be some people there trying, uh, listening to this, going, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. These are executives. They're within the league. They know a lot more than you do." Well, maybe they do, but they can't execute it. They can't goddamn execute it. I'll take a random guy off the street who wears a Bulls jersey, and I'll give him the reins for a year, and I'll bet you good money he'll do better. It's embarrassing. I like how you said you weren't going to talk about the Bulls, but then we got you yeah. so angry you had to go I'm on pissed. that rant. Yeah, yeah. I'm pissed. I I'm will, so pissed. We will talk about Boston a little bit. I will say Casey Johnson of the Chicago Tribune, uh, he reported whenever that 2017 Nets pick came up, Boston was trying to put some type of protection on it. So, we again, we'll get to Boston later. But just right. for, uh, you know, uh, if like I'm with you more, now, I respect that. I yeah. respect that the Bulls wouldn't want to do it if there's a high level of protection on it. That's yeah. that. That's I. I get that. I get saying no to that. But what I don't get is the insistence of ha- adding veterans because yeah, if you're right. trading Jimmy Butler, you're going to be rebuilding regardless. You yeah. are not going to be competitive. Like what? Who the hell cares if you cling on to an eighth seed? And that's 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 not just the Bulls. That is league wide. Yeah. No fans want to see a team just go out and sacrifice the long term to grab an eight seed for some random season. Yeah. It makes zero sense. Either build up from scratch to get, to build something that's with that can withstand like a ten year window, or do something else. Just don't get stuck in the middle. And I know there has to be teams stuck in the middle once in a while. That's just how the game is. There are thirty teams, but when you when you get complacent and when you feel it's okay to be in that position that's when it become a problem yeah i i mean that's literally what led to the process like it was just year right. after year after year after year of 
like eight seed. You know, they got lucky with the year where Derrick Rose tore his ACL and they got to the second round. But like, there was no, there was no long term upside. And then they went all in on Biome and that blew up. And then like the one thing I I am not a hundred percent sure on is if they went to rebuild, I do think they would lose. Uh, attendance because Sixers attendance plunged in the years where, mm. you know, the like the heart of the process. Uh, we were close to the dead last in the league in terms of attendance. But now, you know, you go through two or three years of tanking and like look at how the Sixers have replenished their assets and now there's excitement around the team again. So uh, I- I'm with you in that the the drive to maintain mediocrity for the sake of business is absurd because like look at the warriors right like they were right a middling team no you know they had a rabid fan base but it was pretty contained in the bay area and now all of a sudden they turned into what we know now as the warriors and you know their revenues explode so i think your overall yeah. point saying like if you want to make more money build a championship contender is spot on yeah, even if it takes time, because you're still in a market that's fiercely loyal. Like Chicagoans are fiercely loyal. Yeah, they look at that. The Bulls have been incompetent for years. It's right. only it's, it's just now that they've started to get it. You know, have enough of it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. No more Bulls or Sixers for a month, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless they, well, I guess they can't trade Oka for. So well, well, one one more brief Sixers note later in this episode. Uh, but let's hit. Let's do a couple of quick hits on the other trades that went down. Uh, Sarah PJ Tucker went to Toronto for Jared Sellinger, who was waived, and two second rounders. Do you think this makes Toronto, you know, Tucker and Ibaka combined, is Toronto now the second best team in the East? Probably. Uh, it's hard to really buy into anybody because they've done so much moving around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the trade. For them, I, I think, you know, they were a team that really needed to do something at the deadline, and, and picking up Ibaka and, and PJ's great. And I also love it because there's the added bonus of him not going to somebody like the Clippers. Yep. <laughs> I thought, right. you know, I thought he was going to really help whoever he ended up with, and I'm glad that it was out east <laughs> for once <laughs> and not, not here. So, yeah, no, I think it's a great move. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. They, you know, they, they're framing it as he's the LeBron stopper. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if anyone's a LeBron stopper, but if you have Demario Carroll and him to throw at LeBron for 48 minutes, that will at least complicate things. And I, yeah, I, I think you know they played Boston last night. They beat Boston. I'm not going to say one game definitively proves they're now the second best team, but if I had to pick a a team that is going to face Cleveland in the you know assuming Toronto can get to the two or three seed, uh, so they don't have to play Cleveland in the second round, uh, I would put them in the Eastern Conference Finals as well. So He's, got, he's got this Rotman mentality, right? Like, yeah. he can get under people's skin. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. something Toronto's been missing. I, mm-hmm. I, might, I might be going out on a limb here, but P.J. Tucker could potentially be the key piece they acquired over the deadline, even over Ibaka, in terms of having mm-hmm. that X factor, that, that dog that just goes after each and every one trying to get into their heads. That's yeah. that's a, an aspect they have had nothing of. Like if he challenges LeBron and he gets LeBron out of rhythm, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we we've been saying it for a while now, like or ever since the Ibaka trade, because the Kevin Love injury broke the same day. Like Cleveland's vulnerable if Kevin Love does not come back fully healthy, and 
injury optimism has done in plenty of franchises. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Toronto, kudos to Masai Ujiri for realizing, like, you know, we, our, you know Kyle Lowry is, thir- is it is early 30s, uh, DeRozan's 28 at the start of next year. Like, you're in your win now, Prime. There is no waiting. Attack now or forever hold your peace. So, good for Toronto for sensing this opportunity and making some big moves. I think, uh, you know, both East and West playoff uh, matchups became far more interesting uh, based on what happened at the deadline. And, Sarah, I'm going to throw this next one right back to you because you were super salty when it went down. (laughs) Uh, The Lakers sent Lou Williams to Houston for Corey Brewer and Houston's 27th first rounder unprotected but it's gonna you know be in the 26 to 30 range so how how, are you scared of you know if the rockets and spurs meet up in a second round matchup are you now more scared of them because of sweet lou it definitely makes them better i think um you know they still have the same defensive deficiencies that they had but it makes their offense even more potent and Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of felt like there was at least a little bit of a vulnerability there off the bench, um, you know, and now they just have that one more guy who can hit three. So that's always going to make them more scary, more dangerous. Um, yeah, I don't want to say I'm scared of them, but I, I'm definitely not happy about, about the trade, <laughs> as you could tell. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the the interesting thing, I, I'm, I'm with you that, you know, it makes them more dangerous. He debuted Thursday and hit seven threes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he just immediately, they they annihilated New Orleans, and he played a big part in that, so he's going to be a natural fit there, and I think reducing the stress load on James Harden, Pat Beverly, Eric Gordon, heading into this stretch run is pretty, pretty critical for Houston to keep those guys fresh for the playoffs, so if nothing else, like, Lou's been playing 24 minutes a game in Los Angeles, like, he should be pretty mm-hmm. fresh as well. Uh, more, you know, we were, we were talking, uh, two episodes ago, I think about that. We gave our awards updates and we were torn between Lou Williams and Eric Gordon. So now that they're both on the same team, who do you think wins the award? Does it matter now? Like I, I, I could, I could see Eric Gordon still getting it just off the reputation and the fact that he's come back healthy, but man, sweet Lou, right? Yeah. <laughs> Look, it doesn't even matter anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm well over six men. Just one of the rocket scars. Maybe they should share it. They right. Share the award. Yeah. That'd be fine with me. But I, I'm, I'm kind of confused as to why so many people crapped on the deal from, from Houston's perspective. I saw on Twitter a lot. Of it was like, oh, we, they needed more defense. They, they should have gotten more defense. And I get mm. the sentiment, but if you now have a team that's that could go out and get 130 whenever they wanted to. Like, who can match that? Mm-hmm. It's just the level of firepower they have right now. You would have to score, like, 131 to beat them. Yeah. You are you are really, really not going to get an easy game against these Rockets because they are going to shoot and drive you out of the game. Yeah. So, I love it. I love it for them. Yeah. And they got rid of Corey Brewer. I mean, that's, right. that's huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. I mean, his contract, he was actually making slightly more than Lou Williams. Right. They're both signed through 2017-18. I mean, I can't... People are really crapping on the 
Rockets for this trade? They, they gave up nothing. Mm. They gave up a late oh, first yeah. round pick, which is, I mean, at that point, like an early second round pick is almost more valuable because, uh, you know, you can <laughs> negotiate your own terms. But yeah, like, I think Lou Williams, like that offense is now going to be almost unstoppable. And, you know, the Warriors, unless you have a, you know, Cleveland tried to like gum them up for a while in both finals matchups, but like, the Rockets were never going to be able to do that. So your only hope is the Rockets is to just outshoot them. And now you added another guy who could get hot and score 25. Like he, I'm not going to say they're going to beat the Warriors, but I think their chances of beating the Warriors increased when by adding Lou Williams. They have similar offensive firepower, at mm-hmm. least. Like, I would that's that's actually an interesting debate. Like, where do you guys stand on that? Who has the more offensive? firepower overall the Warriors or the Rockets overall I would say the Rockets but the Warriors have three of the four best players right right so overall talent wise they just yeah right and like in the playoffs where you shorten rotations you know having that much depth will not be as much of an asset also the Warriors could play defense and the Rockets much more iffy in that regard but yeah yeah, yeah. i mean like the the point is if you know if uh eric gordon has an off game all right cool put in lou williams if ryan anderson has an off game all right like james harden's gonna score a little bit more they have so many options now that could explode at any second that like if i mean if mike d'antoni plays his cards right uh there could be an upset brew in there so I, I like that move for Houston as well. Uh, I don't think we need to go too deep into this, but the Nets made two deals. Uh, they sent Boyan Bogdanovich and Chris McCullough to the Wizards for Andrew Nicholson, who was on a, on a god-awful contract, Marcus Thornton, and a lottery-protected 2017 first-rounder. Uh, they also acquired KJ McDaniels from Houston. I don't think I've seen the official terms, but it sounds like Houston did it for cap space, so I'm sure... They uh, Brooklyn sent like a heavily protected second round pick that's never actually going to commit. So they they got KJ for free basically. So Mort, are you are you joining me in the Sean Marks fan club? Definitely, definitely. And I'm also joining you on the Wizards fan club for getting Bogdanovich because this is a trade that made sense for both teams. Mm-hmm. Bogdanovich is a veteran, and Lord knows the Wizards needed some some bench off bench offense. They got that now. And Brooklyn needed a first rounder. They got that. What I did, what I didn't like was giving up Chris Chris McCullough. I kind of mm. liked his potential. I uh, didn't like taking on Andrew Nicholson, but overall, you know, it could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to make sense, and I trust Sean Marks to move Nicholson even if he doesn't break out a little bit. Mm. So overall, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the type of gamble. I mean, you know, thanks to what Billy King did to that franchise, just pissing away all their draft picks it's the type of gamble you need to make for the nets because you just need to acquire first round picks and talent however you can and you know nicholson is on a bad contract but he's still like i think he's only 26 or 27 and he'll have a chance like i don't think the nets are just gonna bury him on the bench right away like maybe he breaks out in a bigger role there or if not Mm. you know the nets are not a free agent destination, so you swallow his seven million for the next three years, and you call it a day. It's fine. Like yeah. that's what you use cap space for. Um, but yeah, I mean, or KJ I'm, though. Yeah, I'm excited for KJ. I think. Yeah. You know, I I don't know that he's an actual player. Like I I would assume 
Houston would have played him at some point in the last two years if he could have helped. But mm-hmm. during his half a year with the Sixers, he was, you know, he can't shoot, but he's like, he's fun. He's uh, super athletic, great shot blocker. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he fits next to Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Because yeah, yeah. I don't think those two guys could play together because neither one could shoot. But He's a better shooter than than uh, Hollis Jefferson, though. Yeah. Like, he, he can hit the occasional three. You know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't KJ also a guy who's on the Spurs radar radar at some point, Sarah? Like no last idea. year at the deadline? I don't remember hearing. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. But, but I, I, I like his potential. Yeah. Personally. Because for me, that would be sort of a validation. Like, if the Spurs oh, is yeah. interested hey, in, a, right. in an American, <laughs> right. that's, a, that's, that's a good indication. Of, oh, okay, this guy's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, this guy could play. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, oh, he's going to play in black and white anyway. Right. Same thing. Oh, yeah, that, right, exactly. He, he can pretend he's on the Spurs. He's going to lose oh, a couple yeah. more games, but <laughs> he can pretend. Um, all right, so also uh, Darren Williams got waived uh, and is likely signing with Cleveland if he doesn't uh, get claimed, which LeBron got his second playmaker. He got his wish. Uh, Andrew Bogut as well. Again, I don't think he's actually been waived yet, but they are progressing toward that. Uh, Sarah, do you have any ideas of where you'd like to see Bogut end up? Hmm. I heard that Spurs supposedly had interest. Oh. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I did see that floating around. Hmm. Eh, it's an interesting idea. I'm partially, partially in and, and a lot more out on that at the moment. You know, I don't know. Who, who could use a rim protector? The thing is, he's not, you know, quite what he has been. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't sign him hoping you're going to get the bogut of two years ago. Right. But he could help, you know, somebody who has a hole there. It's it's worth taking the chance. I think I still, you know, the Spurs have Deadman. I think just, just play Deadman more, especially since we're just going to have to watch him opt out yeah, <laughs> and walk right. away. Yeah. Right. Uh, in the summer, he's he might hurt the most of all the bigs that we've had for a short while, and had to watch go away. And hopefully, <laughs> Stan Van Gundy isn't going to take him too. It's just, right. That will be ridiculous. He he doesn't even play Boban. Leave Deadman alone. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just spiraled. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> uh, I yeah, Spurs would be fun. I I want him on Cleveland just because if they do meet in the finals again, it only seems right that the Warriors had right. Erzhow and now. The, the Cavs would have Bogut. They need to, yeah, that would be fun. But we'll I, see. I want him to go home. I want him to go home. He needs to, to Australia? come back to, no, not oh. Australia, but to Golden State. Oh. Because oh. he's actually eligible to go back to Golden State. Right, that's true. He is. I mean, and a lot of people didn't think he would be, but because right. uh, the, the rule is about the last completed trade, mm-hmm. the, and that trade was from Dallas. Yeah. Yep. To, to Philly, then it actually works. So I want to see him go back there because I remember you, Sarah, at the, er- the early part of the season going, well, I kind of like the dubs, but they are definitely missing Bogut's screen work and they're mm-hmm. missing his physicality under the rim. Like, okay, now now they have a shot, shot at getting him back. So if they get him back, what could we really... <laughs> 
say that mm. the dubs would be missing like yeah any anything really yes and, and for their, those point. very same reasons i do not want him to go back oh right, <laughs> right. right. yeah yeah <laughs> That's a good point. So we'll we'll keep an eye out on where Bogut uh, lands. We need to talk about two teams now that did not make a move at the deadline, and I want to discuss them in conjunction because I think their names will probably circulate this summer. Uh, so Boston, you know, we we mentioned earlier they did not make a move. They did not trade the Nets pick, etc. They were supposedly in conversation both for Paul George and Jimmy Butler. Uh, the Paul George thing was a surprise because up leading up to the deadline, there were a lot of reports like, you know, the Pacers were not even taking calls on him. There was no way they were mm. trading him. And then I think Woj or someone uh, in that last day were like, oh, by the way, the, the Pacers are taking calls on Paul George. So it seems like Paul George met with uh, the Pacers owner and made it clear that if the Pacers are not in position to be a title contender by the time he becomes a free agent in 2018, he will likely go sign with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Sam Amick of USA Today has been really hammering that Lakers point home, and other reports have followed, you know, kind of uh, bolstering that report. So, more, do you think, A, that the Pacers need to trade Paul George at the draft? And B, do you think the Celtics erred by not training for him now? Well, A, hell yeah. <laughs> because they're not going to go anywhere. Like, what kind of deal could they make to put them into that contention? Mm-hmm. They couldn't. I mean, they, they would have to strike gold in some weird capacity. I mean, like, what, what are their options out there for them to become a, a championship contender? That is young is not going to get better. Like I obviously Miles Turner is, but how much can he carry in terms of of, of like if it's him and Paul George is that enough? Probably not. Monta Ellis is hot garbage right now. Right. Jeff Teague is, you know, decent, but he's not a complete game changer. Mm-hmm. Like they really don't have a whole lot going on. So obviously, yeah, I trade him as soon as I can. I mean, the surprise that they didn't move him on the uh, trade deadline. Yeah. Simply because he has more value the longer contract he has left. Right. And at the draft he'll have less. He'll have one year left. So yeah. And um B, I think that they Boston probably should have done it simply because they would have been a title contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to me and this is with the preface of it, it believes that I believe that Paul is basically saying I want to go. I want to be a in a position to win a championship, or I'm going to go to the Lakers. I'm going to go home. Right. Well, fine. It, it doesn't really matter if you're in a position to win the championship in Indiana or Boston. Mm. Like as long as you're close to the actual ring, right? And he would be in Boston. So yeah, I, I thought it would make sense for Boston to get him. I even think it makes way more sense to get George and the Butler, even though Butler is the better player, because. At least PG can play a little bit of small ball four. Mm-hmm. He's a better long-range shooter. It seems like he would fit a lot better alongside Al Horford. Mm. There's just more to like in terms of George and Boston as opposed to Butler. So, yeah, yeah I was I was pretty surprised. But I'm sure that Indiana didn't get the right package in return, at least offered it. 
I'm pretty sure that Danny Ainge also hammered home the uh, the Lakers point. Like, oh, he's going to leave anyway. I'm not going to give you a big offer. I'm going <laughs> right. to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze because we know Danny loves to squeeze. Yeah, right, right. right. Um, so, so yeah. Um, yes to both. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I'm surprised, especially all the, now that these Lakers leaks came out, that the Pacers did not make a move at the deadline and trade Paul George. There was a report, I forget from who, saying the Pacers wanted like three of four of Jalen Brown, right. Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, plus the 2017 Nets pick, which if that's the case, you know, Boston is absolutely right not to trade that much because you're not a yeah. title contender if you gave up all that much. And, you know, there's the, there is a real possibility that Paul George leaves in a year and a half. Um, you know, I don't think Boston signs him as a free agent because it sounds like he really does just want to go back to the Lakers. So I, I understand the reluctance to give up that much, especially in terms of players. But if the thing with Boston is they are also playing with fire here because... Like, yes, that Nets pick, they're going to go into the lottery with a 25% chance of that being a number one pick, but it's also like a 30-some percent chance that it's the number four pick. So that's going to lose considerable value if they unexpectedly fall. And, you know, the team with the best odds does not usually win the number one pick. So, like, I I get not wanting to trade it for Paul George if he's going to leave. But if I was running the Celtics, I would have said, we'll trade you 2017 and 2018 Nets picks with Marcus Smart for Jimmy Butler. And I think that is a fair offer for both sides. I can understand the Bulls' reluctance because, you know... Oh, I can't. (laughs) Well, you know, there is the chance that it falls to number four and whatever. And, well, that's but, why you add in the number eight, the the eighteen. Right. Look, that that's where I'm at. I know I want the number one. Of course, I want the number one. Yeah. Who wouldn't want Markel Foles? But if the deal is 2017 and 18, yeah. In the in the case of like it break glass in case of emergency kind of draft pick, right? Mm-hmm. Like we know number 17 could be the fourth pick. Yeah. So because of that, we're gonna add the 18th pick. Mm-hmm. Fine. I'll I'll take that. I, I'm pretty sure that that Indiana would have done that too as well for for Paul. Yeah, like that's a, that's a damn good deal. Right. The question becomes, and this is something I've been wanting to ask you too. If Boston wins the lottery, mm-hmm. and they're looking straight up at Markel Fultz, mm-hmm. do they pull the 17 pick from any offer, including Butler and George, Sarah? Rephrase that one second for me. If they if they get the number if, one pick? If Boston wins the lottery and they're right. looking at Markel Foles, do they even offer that draft pick to Chicago or Indiana for either Butler or, or Paul George? Or they, do they just say, well, we have Markel Foles if we want to. So the Bulls and, and Indy, they can just go be themselves. <laughs> what I think they should do or what I think they would do? Would. Would I think they would keep Markel Foles? Mm. I think just looking at the way that they've, of course, it's different, you know, draft picks versus actual players, but just the way that they've valued those picks and apparently value youth rather than getting an established player, I would think they would would keep the pick. Um, but you know, just before you, 
you melted down Morton about the bowls earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna try to play devil's advocate a little bit and say, you know, well, you know, we kind of have to look at everything through the prism of the boogie trade. You know that, mm. that apparently the market oh, yeah. was depressed and people weren't getting great returns for for their players at this particular moment. So, you know, and then you kind of killed that with with the. Celtics supposedly offering offering the picks, but we don't know what kind of protections may have been there, or what really yeah. was offered. Yeah. Um, but so I, I could kind of see why the Bulls wouldn't trade Jimmy. But the Pacers are in a lot tougher spot, as you guys both just mentioned, in that Paul George doesn't seem happy. So, you know, I could see wanting to move him, but I also could see teams being leery of offering a lot when they don't think they're going to keep him. So for the same reason, if I were the Celtics, I would have, I would have tried to get Jimmy, personally. But um, you know, it's it's like the movie. I think it's called Shop Around the Corner. Me bringing out my my old movies again. <laughs> but um, there's a, a moment where the guy says, the main character Jimmy Stewart's talking about when you get a bonus, and as long as you don't open it, you're a millionaire. So you know, he's like, well, whatever. You don't know what's in there. That's kind of how. Uh, Danny Ainge has been with these picks, mm-hmm. and I mean, hopefully it works out for him. Um, I do kind of understand standing pat right now, although I feel like it's definitely worth it to take the chance on a guy like Butler. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. They've, they've got the picks. I think Adam Spinella for B-Ball Breakdown made a great point that, you know, the Cavs aren't going to be this threat for much longer. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, a lot can change in a few short years, so they they don't have to feel pressured to make a big move, but uh, if you have if you have an opportunity to get a, a really good player, it's worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, I. Um... So so you would you would you would actually make the trade if it's if Markel Fultz is there, you would you would trade for either Paul or Jimmy just to to get an established guy in there. Well, see now I feel <laughs> I don't feel as comfortable saying that. Um, I met more at the deadline this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. But no. um, just because I don't pay enough attention, I've heard a lot of great things about Mark Fultz, but personally I haven't really watched him. So I couldn't say for sure what I would do in that situation. It's interesting, though, because, like, Brian, you and I spoke about this at some point early in the season when uh, there were a couple of Gordon Hayward rumors. Like, remember, mm-hmm. he's being linked to Boston in the off season. Yep. And I, I even think Bill Simmons mentioned this the other day. Imagine if Boston keeps their draft picks. They mm-hmm. they win number one. That's mm-hmm. Markel Fultz. And they're in line to get Gordon Hayward in free agency this summer. Like Then you would look incredibly wise not to trade that pick for a Jimmy Butler or a Paul yeah. George. Because then you would have the pick and you would have Gordon Hayward who's like... Number three on that list, but he's still significantly great, right? I mean, right. he would be so good and a significant upgrade and just a tremendous star for him. So I can see why Boston is kind of waiting it out. Mm-hmm. But I feel so bad for Al Horford, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because conversely, like, there is a chance. Like, that's what you said is the best case scenario. There is a chance that pick falls to four. Uh, Fultz, Ball, and Josh Jackson are off the board. And then it's like... You're getting Dennis Smith Jr., like Malik Monk, a, a, you know, a strong prospect, but not like a franchise changer. And then right. say Hayward decides he likes it in Utah and resigns in Utah. Then 
like as you as you said at that point like al horford he's watching his prime close very rapidly and if you don't make that move you know or like then i think you regret not making a move at the deadline so the, the thing with boston is we're never going to know what specifically was offered because it's boston um yeah <laughs> and i you know it's we make fun of Danny Ainge a lot for overvaluing assets, but Zach Lowe made a great point in his column the other day. Like they offered four, or they reportedly offered four first-round picks to Charlotte last year for the number nine pick, which they would have used on Justice Winslow. And Charlotte wasn't six. I think it was four first, six overall. Like I think they were going to throw oh, okay. in a couple seconds. But regardless, the point is they're like they. It seems like there's this perception that they are super stingy with their assets, and it's because they are pretty tight in terms of like not leaking a specific trade proposal but like there's a chance that they actually did offer both you know maybe they really did offer both unprotected nets picks and marcus smart for jimmy butler and maybe the bulls said no like we just don't know either way so i can't i'm with you sarah i can't super fault them for standing pat because like as you said you know if you if you get a guy like vaults and you get another top five pick in 2018 like you have the <laughs> the core of a team that will contend long after cleveland falls off the hill but you're still mm-hmm. also already like not a true title contender but you have a great like you're the number two seed in the east right now and you're adding the number one pick to that so it's very easy to see both sides of this um i would yeah. love i would love confirmation one day as to what the celtics offered for either butler or george or what the bulls and pacers were demanding because i i have a feeling that the fault this time is not on danny ainge it's from the bulls and the pacers being unreasonable with their demands uh, all right, so one more one more quick note before we move on to where amazing happens. Just need to say that Ben Simmons is officially out for the year, uh, so that sucks. Tradition. Yeah, right. It is now the fifth <laughs> straight year where a Philadelphia player has missed his entire first season in Philly, counting Andrew Bynum as well. So best wishes to Ben Simmons. Uh, hope he can get his foot healed because he's a really fun player, and I want to see him in action. I'm not just saying as a Philly fan. Uh, so we need to now move on to what can only be described as the Lakers red wedding, uh, a couple days before the trip, two days, right? Two on Tuesday, they did this. I think, uh, they fired Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak. They hired Magic Johnson as their team president, and they are in the process of hiring agent Rob Polinka as their general manager. There's some stuff about like, I think he needs to divest from his, uh, hold his you know agency before they can actually officially announce him. But from all reports, he is definitely going to be their next GM. Sarah, how do you see how do you see this working out with uh, Magic Johnson in charge of the Lakers franchise now? It's it's really too early to to jump the gun and say, especially if you know. He's hired somebody who we'll have to see how this GM is going to look. But if he, unlike Renadive, you know, steps aside <laughs> and kind of lets the guy run it, it could potentially work out. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, yeah, a lot of his tweets over the past few years <laughs> don't inspire a lot of confidence. Right. Um, I know that, you know, a lot of people have been saying why, you know, why did Kupchak have to go? 
but it seems like if you're gonna if they were gonna bring in magic that uh, there was some conflict there i think mm-hmm. uh magic i don't think was a, a big fan of mitch Kupchak's. i don't know i mean i i am cool with shaking things up a little bit uh, but we'll see we'll see how it works out yeah uh, it sounds like Polinka is actually pretty savvy in terms of the salary cap, CBA, all that good stuff. So in that respect, That's good. Uh, yeah, a, a noted upgrade over Vlade Divac, even though both are first-time GMs. Uh, Mort, how are you feeling about Magic running the Lakers? The Lakers so badly want to be the Warriors, don't they? <laughs> like, they, uh, uh, an agent as a GM. Yep. They pilched their assistant coach. Yep. The D'Angelo sort of like Stephen Curry ideology. Julius Randle like a playmaking four like Draymond. They are so trying to be the Warriors. I mean, okay, fair enough. You could you could try to mimic worse teams. <laughs> so that, I, I guess that's applaudable. Magic I'm kind of concerned with in the long haul. Uh, I do love the fact that he came out and said he wanted to have guys smarter than him around him mm-hmm. that's going to be necessary because he started studying the cba like three or four weeks ago <laughs> right which just scream like internally i was screaming Lottie! <laughs> right um so i i'm hoping magic is wiser what's uh but what's concerning to me is magic's takes on things because he's <laughs> very impulsive <laughs> Uh-huh. He is very impulsive. He'll just turn on one game, see something great, and he'll go on Twitter. This guy is the best point guard in the whole NBA. I don't know his name because this is his debut, but he's the best point guard in the all of NBA. Like, yeah, relax. Yeah. So I hope he he doesn't like tire teams out by calling them all the time. Like, I want that guy. I want that guy because he played great last night. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, I mean. Yeah, it, it all depends on the guys that they, they have next to him, really. Yeah. And Rob Palenka, that's Kobe's agent. So yep. what I'm sitting, I'm, I'm just waiting for the Lakers to announce that Kobe in some kind of capacity has been hired. Because yeah. that's going to happen. Definitely. That is that is definitely going to happen in my eyes. And yep. if it's not, then, then I'll take my lumps. But, oh, I, I, want, I want Kobe to be a part of that Lakers squad so bad. I yeah. really do. Yeah, I think, I mean... The way I'm seeing it as, I think you guys are totally right. It comes down to how much magic empowers the people around him. I'm more encouraged with Palenka than I am, again, with Vlade Divac. I think, you know, not he also, uh, beyond Kobe, he reps Harden, Eric Gordon, Chris Bosh. Like, he, he's got good relationships with, you know, other players just by virtue of representing them. He knows all the other GMs already because he's had to work with them to negotiate contracts. Um, so it seems like he really could be the key to this whole thing more than magic. I think magic may be, you know, he'll have final say on stuff, but like I envision him almost more of a, like as a figurehead role trying to, you know, bolster the Lakers brand again. And you bring in him. And if more, as you said, if you bring in Kobe, you kind of like get that Lakers reverence built back up after these last couple of years kind of tore it down. Um, I could see it helping, you know, <laughs> it sounds like Paul George doesn't need much convincing to come back to LA, but it, you know, if you have magic and Kobe, like in a free agent meeting with you and they drop their, you know, <laughs> 10 rings on the table, <laughs> like that, you know, they, that does Pat Riley used to do that too, right? Like they just play the Pat right. Riley game and 
drop the rings and say so tacky yeah they just say like, yeah. count the rings yeah uh yeah yep. so so I, i'm tentatively optimistic i think because polinka is there i don't think it will be a disaster but you do have to hope uh magic is less erratic in real life than he is on twitter and the donald trump experience <laughs> suggests that might not be the case so i was gonna say as long as he's self-aware enough to set up checks and balances yeah, <laughs> right yeah. Then, right and he'll be good Maybe, yeah. but yeah, it, unlike you know Vivek, who is not self-aware, right? But and, yeah. and speaking of, can we agree that no one wants to be the Warriors more than the Kings want to be the Warriors? Yeah. Oh God, they have. Oh yeah, with with Buddy and yeah. <laughs> and yeah. remember, Nick Stauskas was the previous Buddy who shoots like shoots like Stephanie, <laughs> big like Clay. Uh, okay. Nick rocks. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Can you say what a disservice it is, though, to, to try to do those kind of comparisons with players? Especially oh, with players. It's brutal. Like, Why would you ever compare God. anyone to Steph Curry? Like, you, don't... you know how many Steph Currys we have in the league right now? One. <laughs> right. Do you know how many Steph <laughs> yeah. Currys we've ever had in the league? One. Yeah. yeah. It's, like... you know, you're not going to duplicate Steph Curry. Yeah. Uh, you got to look at what a young player does well, what he doesn't do well. Whether or not you think your organization can help him improve those things, whether he has the, the aptitude and the work ethic to, to actually take to that, and that's all you can look at. You can't say, next Jordan, next Steph, next Dirk. All that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. The work ethic point is in particular, which yeah. actually brings me to back to the Lakers for a moment, because imagine if Kobe gets hired. We agree that Kobe had like an insane work ethic, right? Oh, yeah. Right. right. Like, Imagine putting this 500-page CBA in front of Kobe. You mm. could just say, "Learn this," and he'll he'll look you in the eyes like a tiger and go, "I'll be back in two weeks." Yeah, definitely would. He would be so great to have in 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 like a front office during in, in the war room at draft time or trade deadline because he would just be, people would be like, "Kobe, what's the rule?" It's like. And he'll bring it out. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's he's he would consistently work to get greater and greater and greater at his job, whatever he ends up doing. Yeah. So I, I think it would be amazing to have him on board. I'm actually pretty optimistic about the Lakers overall. Yeah. Even though I'm slightly concerned about Magic in itself, but like I, I don't think they're in a in a bad position by any means. No, I don't either. I think a lot hinges on the next 18 months, starting with whether they get their draft pick this year. Because uh, if you add a top three pick to that core, then I could see that being appealing enough to Paul George to say, like, all right, th- these guys could develop into a title contender. The problem is going to be if they don't make a free agent splash by 2018, you know, Julius Randle is a restricted free agent that summer. Uh, D'Angelo Russell will be eligible for a contract extension. Like, unless they find a way to ship off those uh, Mozgov and Den contracts, those two are going to hang like an anchor around that franchise until 2020. So I'm, I'm excited to see how it turns out either way. It's going to make the league more fun. We'll say that much. Um, so we, we need to, one other thing, one other clearly amazing thing that happened this week, and I'm going to withhold comment as a Turner sports employee who does not want to get fired. Uh, the Warriors reached out to Turner sports about, you know, Shaquille O'Neal on Inside the NBA has long had the Shaq in a Fool segment where he basically just makes fun of JaVale McGee a lot. So according to Mark Stein and Chris Haynes of ESPN, the Warriors reached out to Turner to discuss the Shaq in a Fool segment. Um, 
they said that his the ongoing negative portrayal is doing unnecessary damage to McGee's reputation. And Steve Kerr even went out and said, like, yeah, you know, I kind of had this negative perception of him, and now he came to the Warriors, and I love him. So, Sarah, <laughs> what do you think of the Warriors reaching out here? I I can understand why they would do it. I think it's the idea that he's hurting JaVale's reputation, I think, is a little bit of a stretch. Um, even with Steve saying what he said, that's kind of your problem, Kerr. I mean, <laughs> you know, all they're showing is clips. Yeah, they're making fun. And if, if you if you get to the point where you're kind of making fun of a guy's intelligence, that's probably too much. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the clips are funny. <laughs> uh, blooper sports shows have been around well before Shaq. And they will be around after Shaq. Um, I will say that I... I kind of saw the skit the other night. It was on really late, and I wasn't really paying attention. So mm-hmm. that probably was a bit much to constantly single him out. But I don't know. I just I just think the idea that it hurts his reputation is silly. I think if teams are, are taking too much from the Shaq and a Fool segment, then that's a problem for that team. <laughs> right. You know, Shaq's fault or TNT's fault. But right. I don't know. It's just a bit bit much. Yeah, where, where where do you side in the Shaq versus Warriors feud? Oh, I side with the Warriors because I hate the NBA on TNT. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. I haven't watched it in years now because it Charles Sparkley is a dumbest they come, and now it's Shaq as well. When they added Shaq, it was just like, oh great, this show is getting dumber, <laughs> and and it has been. Like I really, really would like to see them just reshuffle that entire deck. I mean, like, if Kobe doesn't come on board the Lakers, I would love to see him on TNT. That would just, that would be so great to have him be be there with, with EJ and, you know, Kenny, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I just, I just want some basketball talk instead of all this, you know, these gimmicks. It's, it's just gimmicks now. And it's boring and it's trivial. And Shaq, he more or less threatened JaVale. And that's where we, where I think we cross the line. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm siding with with Javale and the Warriors in in their entirety here. Um, mm. I, I don't know. Shaq just seems so so desperate to me. This is a 45 year old man who's trying to pick on a young NBA player today. I think Shaq is just he's missing the game and he's trying to somehow stay attached to it because he's become irrelevant. I mean, look, that, those are hard, harsh words, and I know that on the surface he's not irrelevant because he's in the media, yada, 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 but for so many he's become irrelevant because he's a talking head. Like Durant, even though yeah. he's wrong in saying <laughs> right. he didn't have any talent or, or no skills, sorry, he, yeah. Durant said he didn't have any skills, that he was just big and dominant. That's wrong, right. obviously, but that it's probably a correct um, example of how the current league views him. Like, Oh yeah, there's that talking head who's who yells at clouds whenever he can. <laughs> I don't re- even remember what he did when he was on the court. So you know, let the big fella talk. Uh, so in that sense, I think he's irrelevant and he hates it. But yeah, <laughs> definitely on team dubs on this one all the way. Just shut up, Shaq. Stay quiet. <laughs> resign and take Barkley with you on the way out. As I com- agree that the tweets that he sent. You know, like I said earlier, before we started recording, would get most of us fired, probably. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know, so he definitely crossed the line with the, the threats, and it, that was all silly. But he's always been kind of childish and, and cheesy, so it's not surprising. As a company man, I can only say I'm excited to watch Inside the NBA the next time it comes on, because <laughs> uh, 
the rea- reaction from Shaq should be pretty good. Like they were pretty good, uh, you know, when Charles got in that feud with LeBron uh, earlier this year. They were good about addressing it on air, openly, honestly, candidly. So I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure this will be a big story uh, the next episode. So everyone tune in to Inside the NBA next time it's on. Yeah. To Don't see, get fired, Brian. To, to see how this <laughs> plays out. But uh, you know, Paul Pierce would be a fun guy to add to that team. To, you know, I don't know. Oh, right? that's a good one, Paul. Yeah. yeah, Paul would be great. And they just they just added Chris Bosh. I was I'm yeah, kind of I hoping that. that he yeah. takes over over from from Chuck. I just want Chuck and Shaq out of there so they can get like some smart people in who can actually <laughs> think. That would be wonderful. Yeah, I did see. You're uh, right, Paul and Chris. That would be terrific. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned. Yes, Chris Bosh has joined the team at least through the end of the season. I think, and then at that point, we'll see what happens with his health but that should be that should be fun uh all right let's wrap things up with our crushes of the week it's going to be a little tougher this week because there hasn't been very much nba action since uh the all-star break but we have had two nights of games uh but so sarah i'm going to start with you who is your crush of the week yeah i don't really have one since basketball just came back although i would like to give a shout out to austin rivers who had two nice games and is no longer you know, a punchline, so we all need to move past that perception. <laughs> yeah. um, but I've been working on this throwback article about the 04 Pistons for forever because Ooh. my writing method is terrible and <laughs> <laughs> it's kicking my ass. But anyway, I, as I was watching it or working on it, I was watching some YouTube video and I found a really cool one since we just came out of All Star Break of the. 2006 All-Star Game when the Pistons had four guys from their starting lineup in mm. in the All-Star team and there's a nice video of them actually defending and somewhat locking up the West All-Stars for a few minutes so that that's going to be my crush of the week is the, <laughs> the 06 Pistons All-Stars defense in the All-Star Game <laughs> I yes. love that yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that because I did not watch the All-Star Game I've, I've completely given up on the All-Star Game I just can't have that level of, of showmanship strictly showmanship and no, no intensity whatsoever so I I love that crush definitely, yeah. Yeah. thank you Sarah that was a really yeah. good one uh, Mort, how about you? Who's your crush of the week? I have two, oh, and okay. and uh, because I I have two because one of them isn't entirely legal. It's the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. Yeah, because they are doing the rebuilding process right, and they're doing it in a way that where they're not really sacrificing a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they signed Jokey Farrell. Yep. Now they got Quinn Cook and mm-hmm. Ben Benzel. These are the kind of small gambles. That just makes so much sense for a team trying to build for the future. Yeah. Because you test those guys out. If they don't work out, then it's like minimal financial sacrifice mm-hmm. on with on with your search. But if they work out, you get guys on the cheap, and you can hang you can keep them on for for more years. Right. At the same time, they just traded from Noel. We covered that. That's a, a lopsided trade that they won. He's a youngster. It's it's fitting to their culture and they have Seth Curry on this amazing deal. I am I'm really really digging what Dallas is doing right now. They are rebuilding they are sneakily rebuilding in a way that is um not like blatant tanking. They they are trying to win but they are still trying to put their primary focus on getting 
young players in. Just the way they've handled themselves. I mean, so great. I'm really, really impressed. And it, it, they look very competent. Yeah. Where, where have I heard uh, of a team signing a bunch of young players on the cheap? And yep, taking, exactly. That's, yep. That sounds very yeah, they're, familiar. They're using Hinky's approach. Yeah. I mean, Hinky is going to leave his trademark on the NBA in that sense because now they're taking what Sam Hinky did and they're applying certain aspects of it. Right. Uh, sort of like, you know, threading it in within their current structure. I, I Look, I love the way the maps are doing things right yeah. now. And that's, that's thanks to Hinky as well. So we are seeing a new method of team building, mm-hmm. which I really, really appreciate. Yeah, I'm, that's a really good pick uh, because, you know, they've struck out the Mavs, like, since that 2011 title where their main strategies every summer seem to be like, let's punt on the draft. Let's go after these big name free agents. They struck out year after year. Now it seems like they've yep. kind of recalibrated and they're like, all right, let's go sign a bunch of young guys. Let's go get Nerlens on the cheap. Yeah, that's that's a really good call, Mark. Yep. So uh, who, you said you had two. Who's your other? Yeah, yeah. So when you give up Taj Gibson and Duck McDermott and a two, 2018 second-round draft pick and your key guy coming back is Cameron Payne, he must be really good, right? Uh-huh. So I can't see it, but I, I, I mean, it's an NBA front office, so that's why I have to make Cameron Payne my crush because <laughs> apparently he's very, very good. Um, again, I don't see it. The stats don't support that theory, so... I mean, I'm just I'm just this regular old Joe who doesn't have any insight into the NBA like a front office. So I'm I'm just gonna lean on the Bulls and go Cameron Payne because when you give up a package of that caliber, yeah, he's he has to be great. Like right now, I wish there was a way to like you know how you could like favorite a tweet to send like a, a year or two down the line, like send it back and be like, wow, that was a super cold take. Like I want to favorite. <laughs> This crush, <laughs> because if Cameron Payne turns out to be good, your your hostility is gonna look really funny a year or two down the line. And frankly, for the well, you sake, know what, we we recorded this. You can always just isolate true. this part. Yeah, so I, I'll uh, I'm gonna have to make a note to myself. I might just send a tweet to myself. Just be like, yo, remember yeah. this podcast. <laughs> but look, I mean, when you have a guy who's taken 130 shots to score 106 points. I mean, you got to do it, right? When you have a guy who's played 320 minutes this year and has taken a grand total of four free throws, you got to do it, (laughs) right? I mean, come on, a guy who has his true shooting percentage of 40? I mean, you got to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, just to, let's just take a moment to appreciate that he's been sitting on those numbers this whole podcast, <laughs> just loaded up in the chamber, and he's just firing off. That's amazing. <laughs> that was really good, Brad. I appreciate your restraint because, yeah, yeah, not not unfurling those earlier was a great surprise at the end. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, my crush of the week. We already talked about him, but Nerlens. I just wish him nothing but the best at Dallas. I really think he's gonna kick ass there. He's one of three players in NBA history to average at least 1.6 steals and 1.6 blocks per game across his first two seasons. I believe the other two were, I think it was Hakeem and David Robinson. So, pretty good company there. Uh, you know, the Mavs are going to have to sign him for a lot of money this offseason. Uh, I would not surprise me if Brooklyn trades Brooke Lopez at the draft and tries to max out New Orleans, in which case, you know, Dallas is going to, they're going to have to match because. That's why you acquired him, but I uh, I really think 
he was showing more offensive range this year, and I think what's going to annoy me is like he's going to have like one or two great games on national TV, and everyone's going to be like, oh, well, he's great now because he's, <laughs> he's away from the Sixers. The Sixers were the problem. Uh, that's going to suck, but I'm very optimistic about his long-term chances in Dallas. Mavericks fans, you got you got a great player for 30 cents on the dollar, and you didn't have to rob the Kings to get him, so congratulations. Um. And that, At least you got 30 cents. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you know, someone was trying to tweet at me earlier and, like, compare the two situations. I'm like, they're not even remotely the same. Like, Boogie wanted to stay <laughs> with Sacramento. Nerlens apparently, like, came to Colangelo and said, I want out. So... Uh, yeah, I, I can at least feel better that <laughs> in terms of value given up this week, the Kings home run, the, the Sixers and the Bulls are like a nice, uh, ground rule double, but yeah, the Kings stay the Kings. So that will wrap things up for this episode of the NBA podcast. We want to thank you again for listening again. Just a reminder, you can find us on Twitter at the NBA pod and all three of our Twitter handles are in our bio. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave us some feedback. We'd love any reviews you could give. And we are being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I was Brian Taporic, Mort and Sarah. It's great talking to you as always. You too. Likewise, Brian. All right, take care, guys. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.